And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Science popularizer Neil deGrasse Tyson was told that 15% of the National Academy of Sciences still pray. And he, he kind of sputtered, how come the number isn't zero? Apparently, Tyson needs conformity uh, among his colleagues. But he said this, I don't want the religious person in the lab telling me that God is responsible for what it is they cannot discover, end quote. This is silly. It makes him sound parochial, insular, churlish, petulant. Doesn't he know that a significant percentage of his scientific colleagues in various scientific disciplines are, in fact, praying people? Rice University's Elaine Eklund surveyed 1,700 scientists on religion, atheism, spirituality, and she wrote, quote, The so-called insurmountable hostility between science and religion is a caricature a thought cliché, perhaps useful as a satire on groupthink, but hardly representative of reality. Nearly 50% of those surveyed qualified as, quote, religious. How does DeGrasse Tyson think Francis Collins, an evangelical Christian, mapped the human genome, which is comprised of twenty to 23,000 genes and is considered one of the great conceptual achievements of modern science? Uh, Collins is also the discoverer of the single cystic fibrosis gene and its mutations. I've interviewed him a few times, and when I asked him what it's like searching for this gene and its mutations, he said it's like looking for a single burned-out light bulb in the basement of a house somewhere in the United States. I don't think Francis Collins was simply saying, well, I can't figure it out. It must be God. No, he prays and he works. Collins sees digging deep into God's creation as a form of worship. In our discoveries, God discloses himself. Anything that deserves to exist deserves to be known. That's the agenda of the Christian research scientist. Uh, even counting holes in the moon. I mean, there are more moon craters named for Jesuits than any other collective group. Why? Because Jesuits like science, and thankfully, science seems to like Jesuits. The relationship between the scientific enterprise and Christian faith is a common topic on this program. I generally see the two as asking different questions about the world. Science focuses on how things work. Religious faith pursues the question of why things exist at all. It's a friendship of sorts. People always say, well, what about Galileo? Well, I deliver an entire lecture on the Galileo affair, and that doesn't even dig too deep into it. It's very complex. But even good friendships occasionally have conflicts. And with Galileo, there were conflicts regarding the church's jurisdiction, biblical exegesis, what turned out to be problems in Galileo's presentation. But the long and short of it is that whatever conflict initially presented itself was eventually worked out. And oftentimes, philosophical assumptions corrupt the scientific finding, making the science difficult for people to accept. So, for instance... The church doesn't reject the theory of biological evolution, but she does reject the materialism or philosophic naturalism which certain atheists smuggle in as foundational to evolution. There's also confusion concerning the difference between what we can do and what we should do. That's not a scientific problem. That's an ethical problem. For instance, the church opposes cloning and embryo-destructive research. This steams anti-theist Richard Dawkins. He says 
This is a few years ago now. Benedict XVI is an enemy of science, obstructing vital stem cell research on grounds not of morality but of pre-scientific superstition. That's nonsense. The Church opposes the destruction of human life. It doesn't oppose scientific research that avoids destroying human life. And in October of 2012, Drs. John Gurdon and Chenya Yamanaka received the Nobel Prize in Medicine for showing how to make the equivalent of embryonic stem cells without violating human dignity. You know, Dawkins has to know that there are ethical problems with research. We have the story of the Tuskegee experiment in which African-American males were research subjects without their consent. That failed the Catholic test. Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele's experiments on Auschwitz prisoners failed the Catholic ethical test. I mean, would Dawkins support such research on the grounds of academic freedom or necessary scientific research? If he did oppose it, would it be appropriate to call him anti-science like he did Benedict XVI? Our opposition to embryonic stem cell research is ethical, not scientific. And I'll say it again. Anything that deserves to exist deserves to be known. Nothing is off limits for a Catholic except sin. In this case, the sin of debasing the human person. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says science and technology require unconditional respect for fundamental moral criteria. They must be at the service of the human person. This is not anti-science. It is pure. It is pro-human. Human life is sacred because from its beginning it involves the creative action of God. No one can, under any circumstance, claim for himself the right directly to destroy an innocent human being. So euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, abortion, infanticide are rejected. A Catholic approach to bioethics differs from other ethical approaches. Catholic bioethics prizes human blessedness. It's an important point. For some ethical schools, the morality of an act is judged by its consequences or its outcomes. Uh, for other ethical schools, uh, it's the morality of an act is judged by, does it produce the greatest good for the greatest number? Not a Catholic approach. For other bioethical schools, the morality of an act is judged by how it enlarges and protects the extent of human autonomy. What makes for maximum freedom for the individual? Again, not a Catholic approach. Catholic bioethics judges the morality of a human act by the degree it helps or hinders the well-being, virtue, or beatitude of the acting agent, the scientist. Are our acts rendering us more or less fit for the kingdom of God? I've told the story before of Nazi propaganda master Joseph Goebbels watching a newsreel showing the destruction of the Polish people and forcing himself to say, Be hard, my heart, be hard. Goebbels' choices and exertions were forming him for hell, hardness of heart. Catholic choices and exertions are meant to be forming us for eternity with God. You know, another ethical approach that Catholics reject is the principle that the end justifies the means. We must not do evil in pursuit of a perceived good. An evil action cannot be justified by a good intention. And, and let me say, this doesn't mean that the Church alone has good ethics in carrying out research. I mean, the Church endorses the ethical principles summarized in the Nuremberg Code and in the Declaration of Helsinki uh, covering human experimentation. 
The future is going to be rich with ethical questions surrounding artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, genetic engineering, cloning, cyborgs, psychopharmacology. These all come bearing promises of bionic or virtual extensions of human life. And each is going to have to be considered in terms of their impact on the dignity of the human person, including their impact on the dignity of the scientist. The Catholic Church does teach authoritatively in these areas, not exhaustively, but authoritatively. And a key principle to keep in mind is just because something can be done doesn't mean that it should be done. What's the relationship between Catholic faith and science? Well, you can fill in the blank. Um, The relationship between science and religion is one of, well, is it conflict? Is it combat? Is it concord? Is it congruence? Is it convergence? Is it cooperation? Is it creative tension? Is it compromise or complexity or coherence or complementarity? All these words have been used to describe the relationship between science and and religion. And the Catholic Church, in its attitude, seems to favor complementarity. Um, Galileo's old saw is, is a pithy summation of complementarity. The intention of the Holy Spirit is to teach us how one goes to heaven, not how the heavens go. Discovering how the heavens go is a good thing, but it is secondary to how to go to heaven. Both tasks, though, have divine favor. You know, it's important to keep in mind that science, scientific enterprise, emerged within a Catholic understanding of reality. Um, this is so important to keep in mind. Even during the years of the uh, so-called Protestant Reformations, uh, there were many Protestant leaders who were favorable towards scientific enterprise. Francis Bacon died in 1626, by the way. Uh, He was a, a, a real advocate of what was called the new knowledge, or what we now call science. He often drew on biblical themes, though, um, you know, he had a wonderful statement dealing with uh, man's dominion over creation. He believed that humanity had a responsibility for the development and stewardship over creation, and the scientific enterprise was an aspect of that. Listen to this quote. For man, by the fall, fell at the same time from his state of innocence and from his dominion over creation. Both of these losses, however, can even in this life be in some part repaired the former by religion and faith, the latter by arts and sciences. Again, um, Albert the Great saw that there was a friendship between science and faith, that they complemented one another. And we like to say, Scripture reveals the mind of God, science uncovers the handiwork of God. If the book of nature teaches one thing, and the book of Scripture teaches the contrary, well, then we've misread one or the other. Truth is a unity and can't contradict itself. You know, there's not one truth. You know, we're living in a generation where everybody says, you've got your truth, I've got my truth. Um, And that leads people to say that, well, there's one truth for science and there's one truth for faith. Well, if those truths are contradictory, then they're not truths. Uh, It's important to keep in mind, we must not betray reason and experience nor can we betray the apostolic tradition. God is one, truth is one, 
and ultimately there will be no final conflict. I think this is what we fail to keep in mind when we hear about these so-called conflicts between the scientific enterprise and Christian faith. At times, there will appear to be conflicts, but overall, if you look over the history of the scientific enterprise, you will see that there is no hardcore uh, conflict between religion and science. There is a complementarity. There is a wonderful working together that allows us to use the best rules of evidence, the best use of reason, and also the openness of heart to our Creator. I'm Al Creston.